We're back, 2023. Yes. We've got a f- familiar face back on the podcast. I'm back on the podcast. Mate, you, how old are you now, Frank? It's been a long time since no, you've... Uh... I'm, still, I'm still 48, mate. A couple of months to my uh, 49th birthday. Mate, it's good to have you back. Thanks, mate. It's good to have you back. Someone in the chair that knows what they're talking about, eh? <laughs> Very good. Mate, uh, th- first podcast of the year and we thought it was appropriate to do the 2023 property market outlook for the year sure um our perspectives on what we feel is is going to unfold today has been a uh, a day that the inflation rates were uh, were released for the december and january the, month for the december just for the december quarter yes um and we've got a interest rate increase potentially coming next tuesday or the tuesday after one yep. of the two the first tuesday in feb yeah a couple more um, weeks Mate, and we uh, we want to chat through the overall market outlook. We want to give a property tip that uh, we think the listeners will take into into consideration, probably get value out of for, for 2023. Uh, we'll talk about the deal of the week. And, uh, mate, we'll, we'll wrap it up in, in 30 minutes. Beautiful. Efficiency. So, Frankie, run us through, uh, run us through what the, the numbers were for today with... Uh, with inflation. inflation, yeah. So they released the uh, December 22 quarter inflation figures and uh, they were up as expected, I suppose, uh, given that, uh, you know, the December quarter incorporates Christmas and everyone mm. uh, loves to spend at Christmas time. So uh, they were up from 7.3% annual inflation, up from 7.3% uh, to 7.8%. Now, um, that was actually higher than expectations. I think the, the leading economists were, were predicting it would increase from 7.3 to 7.6. Mm. Um, and it was slightly above that at 7.8%. Um, now, as we know, inflation has been on, on the rise. It hasn't been this high for, for many years. And as such, you know, the RBA has been taking action, as we know, with already eight consecutive interest rate increases. Um, the RBA obviously didn't meet in January, so the first uh, meeting is in that first Tuesday in February. Mm. Now, on the back of these results, higher than in expected inflation, um, it is more than likely that we will see another interest rate rise. So the question then remains, you know, will it be 0.25%? Could it even be 0.5%? Mm. Um, so interesting times. And, you know, will the February one be the last for this year or will there be a few more before consumer spending uh, hits the wall, so to speak, and, and uh, you know, that inflation comes down or that demand side of, of the equation at least starts to drop. Exactly. And 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 obviously 7.8% for a lot of people, probably myself included, it's just a number. Um, I don't, I personally haven't felt like anything's gotten 8% more expensive or 2% <laughs> more expensive over the last quarter. Um, so, you know, obviously we talk about long-term and not getting caught up in the micro and the and the weeds, but it's obviously a relevant number because it, it has an impact on how they uh, control the monetary policy. Um, you've been investing for 30 years almost. Yeah. Um, and I asked you the question before we kicked off is, do you remember what the highest inflation rate was from your investing journey? And, and you know, it was actually quite profound where you said, well, I've got no fucking idea. And, you know, <laughs> well, it's true, well, right? It's true. It's like, you know, if I ask anybody what was the inflation rate 10 years ago or five years ago or three, even three years ago, they probably don't know. It's not a number. You sort of um, remember and you know I think it's the relevant point here is you know whether it's interest rates or inflation rates or unemployment rates all these things move in economic cycles and they all do eventually you know they all ebb and flow and they do all eventually pass mm. um, so it's uh, you know we always talk about not getting too caught up in the short-term metrics have your long-term goals especially when it is uh, in you know incorporating property investing have your long-term goals and stick to them and don't be reactive 
to the short-term metrics and uh, you know ebbs and flows in in cycles exactly yeah and instead of zooming in on the microscope and and, and making uh, reactive decisions on what you should and should not be doing or whether you should be buying or should should be selling um, there's a lot of people at the moment in that you know reactive state I, I, I'm, I'm speaking to them on a daily basis on not sure what we should do we're gonna buy but we're not gonna buy now because of mm. x y and z reason and um, you know when you really think about it the, the reason you buy is not because of the next 12 or 24 months that's right you buy yeah. for the next 5 10 15 20 years and ideally longer and you're um, going to have an interest you're going to have a a loan or mortgage you know for the next 25 to 30 years things are going to change over that time you know so don't worry about what you know next uh, you know next week's interest rate rise is going to be and things like that yes you've got to be aware of these things and obviously there is an impact but you know trying to pick the bottom of the cycle and things like that you know you're just wasting your time just stick to your long-term strategy get in there the most important thing is to take action and actually do something as opposed to just sitting back and worrying and not doing anything exactly right do you remember a time in 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 your investing cycle um where you had some some consistent interest rate rises i mean you invested in obviously when you started investing the interest rates much higher yeah like i i started investing in in 93 um, I know he looks much older. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it was interesting because I was just, uh, you know, talking to a few of the guys earlier and, you know, I was always told that the long-term variable interest rate is always, you know, has always hovered between seven and seven and a half percent and you should base, base, you know, any forecast and calculations on that. Now, you know, we've just come off a period of extremely low and record low interest rates and now after even eight consecutive interest rate rises, the, the standard variable rate is nowhere near 7% or 7.5%. So, look, we could get there if inflation doesn't come under control. And, you know, that 7 to 7.5% average has probably obviously come down over the last 10 years. But, you know, we're not even there to what I envisage as a, as a normal average of, of 7 and 7.5% standard variable rate. Um, you know, yes, I've experienced rates at 8, 9, 10%. Um, so, you know, we're not, not wanting to scare people, but they could get to seven percent standard variable rate and, and during that time when you were paying seven eight nine percent you were still seeing growth on the assets oh most definitely yeah, yeah. and that's the thing people don't understand right it's like well if interest rates are low it's low in relativity to what right if yeah. seven becomes the standard six is low that's right but at the moment six is high and when they and when they started dropping and they got to six and got to five and got to four People were going crazy, going, this is so low, you know, yeah. the, the money's so cheap. Start, you know, people were saying to, to fix your rates at 4% and they just kept on falling, yeah. um, you know. So, yeah, and the assets kept on growing. They kept on doing their things, you know. In a 10-year period, you might get a, a year to 18 months of, of a decline, probably similar to what we're going through now. Then they'll turn the corner, they'll steady out. You might get some, you know, especially in Sydney, you'll get some low years of growth of 2 to 3 to 4%. Um, for you, you might get that for five years straight until bang, and you never know when it's coming. That boom hits, and you know you're, you're nearly doubling your, your asset values in in two to three years. Mm. Um, when that's coming, you don't know, but you have to be holding the asset to to benefit from it. Exactly, and you've been through that what th- three times now. Well, yeah, as, a, as September this year would be would be thirty years. That's so. right. So twenty twenty three, what's uh, what's what's the outlook? What are you thinking? Well, it's going to be an interesting year. I think. Um, Firstly, you know, to wait to see what February result brings, um, how that impacts inflation, the February result being the cash rate, um, whether they there's already talk now about potentially still another two to three to four interest rate rises. Um, it's going to be all going to be then dependent on on inflation. Um, and let's not forget, 
the RBA is increasing interest rates to curb inflation. They're not worried about property, the effect on the property market. And even though the interest rates have a direct effect on those who are borrowing and investing in the property market, the RBA has made it quite clear, even when they were dropping rates and people were going, you're just gonna create a housing boom, they said that's not their main concern. Their main concern is the economy at large. Um, and so they're looking at unemployment rates, they're looking at inflation rates and things like this. So the number one measure they have to curb inflation is interest rates. Yes, that then directly impacts the property market, but that's not their main concern. So mm. um, if by you know, continually raising interest rates, this keeps the property market down a bit longer, well, so be it, they say. Um, eventually, that, you know, they will stop raising interest rates once inflation's under control, and who knows, they might over, you know, increase them too far, and then further, you know, maybe later this year, they cut back interest rates again. And then what that does to market sentiment in the property market, which is a big thing, um, who knows then whether that kicks, you know, buyers come back to the table and things like that. Mm. And, and what would you be doing? Like 2023, I know you're out on the weekend looking for a property for a close relative of yours. So you're obviously still advising people who are closest to you to... Oh, look, you know, you know the, the advice is always the same. You know, always invest in property, you know, when you're financially able to do so and when you are comfortable to do so. Um, but at some stage, you know, if that's something you want to do, you, you need to take action um because otherwise you you'll just procrastinate forever mm. and you know you yes we like to look at data um but you can over you know you can over complicate yourself with the data too and get too caught up in the data like i said you know it's the the cycles are going to roll through and and you know we all advocates of long-term growth um and just asking yourself the simple question do you think property is going to be worth more in 10 years time than it is today well yeah 100 <laughs> you know? and and really what you're backing by and large is you're backing the Australian economy because That's right. do you think that Australia as an economy is going to be in a better position, in a larger position with greater GDP, with a bigger population than we are right now? And if the answer to that question is yes, then the property prices are going to follow the overall economy. If there's no growth in the economy, there's no population growth, there's no reason for people moving around buying, the property price will probably be stagnant. But when has that ever happened? And something that I'm seeing quite a lot through my socials is, um, you know, I'm, I'm constantly buying property personally, constantly buying property for clients, and, and I'm a big advocate for it because in 10 or 15 years' time, you know, for, for and, you, and you're probably a good person to, to chat about with this, it's like if your portfolio debt is, say, 5 million bucks, and you've got a portfolio value with 15, whether the property market's up 5%, down 5%, up 10%, or down 20%, you don't care no. because you've got such a large amount of buffer between your debt and your you know, real value of assets exactly, yeah. that there's wealth there. But you're never going to get to that level unless you start. Oh, exactly right. And 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 that's the big thing, right? It's like it's all about getting into the marketplace, acquiring as many assets as you as you possibly can, uh, while still minimizing as much risk as you possibly can, and then holding those assets for as long as you can. So the value of your property increases by a substantial figure in relativity to the debt levels that you have, and that's how you build net worth, and that's how you you build equity to be able to generate passive income. Um, stagflation is, is is what I was saying before. You know, a lot of people are commenting going, oh, Japan had stagflation <laughs> between X and Y and 
um, you know, their property market hasn't grown from 99 to whatever it is. And look, I don't know the ins and outs of that and I don't no, know economists and, and the rest of it. We're not Japan. And, yeah, you know, that, we're not America. Yes, you know, and people uh, closely monitor the US economy and what they're doing, what the Federal Reserve is doing with their cash rates and what their inflation figures are like. And yes, there are flow-on effects um, to our economy and to around the world. But at the end of the day, we are, you know, our banking system is, is one of the strongest in the world. Our, our property market is, is, again, one of the strongest in the world. Um, you know, just only a couple of weeks ago, they, you know, brought out the forecast figures for population, as you touched on. You know, Melbourne is eventually going to probably overtake Sydney in regards to population growth and things like that. Now, whilst that demand, these people all need somewhere to live. Mm. Um, so whether they rent, whether they buy, um, and we know housing supply is uh, not keeping up with demand. And, you know, whilst that demand exceeds supply, I always come back to it, when demand is exceeding supply, that, that results in price growth. Exactly right. And, and as long as we're using a monetary system, which is driven by <laughs> printing money, and, and, you know, as soon as they increase the, the money flow in our economy, naturally that, that inflates the, the value of, of assets and, and everything else. So, mate, I'm, I'm backing property for 2023. I'm two weeks into 2023 and I've already bought my first personal property. Um, so yeah, whether it ends up, you know, and you know, whether we talk about Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, or, or the national economy, whether we end up two to 3% growth or not, or we, we end up still slightly down, it's, it's, it's a year of transition. I'm calling it, mm. um, you know, we are turning the, the corner, um, already in the December quarter, the, the results have been released in that, um, you know, the, the main city, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, um, there was still a decline in in growth. It's Asset funny we, values, call, it, we yeah. call it negative growth. It's just a decline, really. Um, but it was slow, and it was at its it's it's slowing, mm. which means if it's slowing, we are nearing the bottom, um, and you know eventually we are going to turn that corner. Yeah, hundred percent. And mate, like fuck, it's a it's an awesome time to be a buyer. Like mm. you know, I'm, obviously we have a vested interest in saying that, but right now you have so much leverage. You're the only buyer. On a lot of properties, you have negotiation power. You know, we bought an asset, and, and this is what we're going to go on to now with the deal of the week. Um, we bought an asset that went to market in November of last year with a million dollar guide. Mm. It was an investment asset for a client. Uh, it was a dual occupancy. It was renting for about nine hundred bucks a week for both, five hundred for the front, four hundred for the back. At, at you know, 900 a week, 45,000 a year in rental income at a million dollar purchase price, it was four and a half percent. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't the strongest for this particular client. So we said, no, it's too expensive. Makes sense to us at five to five and a half percent. Cause then you're sitting at a level where you're neutrally geared at, at, at similar interest rates. Um, and it's much easier to hold that asset. Two months passes, November, December, um, no movement other than the price of the property coming down. Yeah. So, you know, that property then was sitting on the market from with it with an 850 to a 930 guide, so 10% variance there. Um, leading up to Christmas, we made uh, an unconditional offer at 835. It was 815,000. We ended up at 835. Um, at 900 bucks a week at 835, that was, you know, five to five and a half percent yield. Um, and we purchased that asset. Mm. 12 months ago, that property would have went to market with a million dollar guide at two two percent interest rates or two and a half percent interest rates. Yeah, that that would have sold for one 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 two. And it's like, you know, the 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 negotiation power that you have is incredible. Like we negotiated two hundred thousand almost off the price, um, and sure, it may not have been worth a million bucks. I said it was worth nine fifty nine yeah. to nine fifty. You're still buying much better, and yeah. 
you know you, you you're 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 getting into the market at a, at a at a lower purchase price your yields are actually increasing because there's upward pressure on rents at which means yeah. you've got you've got stronger yield sure you've got higher interest because you're you're higher building uh, holding costs sorry but uh, that's because of the interest rates um but as soon as that as soon as that market kicks again that that amount of growth that has come off is the first bit of growth to come back to the property exactly because it's it comes back to precedence oh it was there before so mm-hmm. you know they, you always hear oh it's a 2020 prices or is it 2021 prices <laughs> um and you know off they go so you know that's the kind of asset and and that asset was in a in a, in a blue chip location we're in we're in an area where if we look at the 20-year historical growth rate it's 16 percent on that particular asset wow it uh it, it's over 260,000 in uh in 2003 and we just paid 835 for it you work that out it's about 320 percent growth or something over yep. that time period 16 percent per annum that's incredible yeah fantastic. five and a half percent yield so you're neutrally geared you've got a high growth asset that's costing you nothing to mm. own um and they're the kind of deals that you know you're able to to buy in a marketplace like this yeah but it's so funny like you mentioned it like when it was when the market was hot call it a year a year ago you know you know we had clients telling us well the market's too hot at the moment we just want to wait until it cools off it then does cool off and people that are then scared oh it's cooled off oh nobody else is buying um maybe we should wait till it sort of bottoms out you know good luck you know even warren buffett doesn't even try and, and pick the the bottom of, of mm. the stock market um and yet when nobody else is buying that is the prime opportunity to buy because like you said the less competition the less demand on a property the more negotiating um um, power you have of course and, and and another thing just before we uh before we go on to the the tip is it's not a time now to try and be creative and change strategies and go buy things because you think oh that market's going to grow when this market mm-hmm. isn't you just spoke about warren buffett warren buffett buys value stocks or value companies and he does that regardless of the market that he buys and into. he buys very few um very few well that's what he says inv- you know? he invests in very few um, companies. He doesn't spread himself thin and go and buy a hundred, you know, shares in a hundred different uh, companies. He sticks to his, to his, <coughs> he sticks to his fundamentals. Whether that's you know six to twelve key stocks that he likes, and he invests heavily in those. Exactly right. He 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 believes in specialization mm. over diversification. Yeah. Um. You know, everyone's in tech. He's not. You know, in 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 a great deal of tech. Um, and you know, I I think it, it's. It's not a time now to try and go find the next shiny thing. It's it's no. It's invest, and you don't need to. If you stick to the fundamentals, stick to the tried and true, uh, you know, suburbs with the you know, like we, we like to look at the you know uh, proven track record, proven of performance, track record of performance, buying an asset that has you know, owner occupier appeal, great suburbs, make, close to transport, close to amenities, good schools. The you know the can be the beaches doesn't have to be. There's there's other factors. But you know, we know what the solid suburbs are. We know which ones have grown substantially over the over the time. So, it's no use. Uh, you know, well, there's no benefit in my mind trying to pick the next hotspot. You know, I always say today's hotspot will be tomorrow's cold spot. Um, right. So stick to something that just likes to simmer along nicely all the time. That's <laughs> it. Year in year out, mate. Um, the property tip of the week. Now, I I have my tip, which is making sure that you put your socks on before your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a standard one. Mate, not just that for is, the week, that's a standard. That's a standard tip. But there was a there was one that you know come to mind for us. And uh, January and February, there was an article about this. It's, it's the time of year when everyone thinks about 
changing jobs and well yeah new year's resolutions i suppose so a lot of people reassess their lives you know shall i take shall i change jobs now you know fresh start for the year and things like that new so, year, yeah, a, lot new of, a lot of people do uh change jobs or at least think about it 100 percent, and and naturally um serviceability and, and and borrowing is the hardest part of investing right now in this current marketplace it's not buying it's actually getting the money so you know you need to be conscious that when you are thinking about changing roles when you are thinking about going from a different industry to another industry or you're thinking about starting a business all of these things have an impact on your overall serviceability and it could have an impact for a few years you know so if you're starting a business the banks will want to see two to three years worth of you know financials yeah, they want to make sure you've registered for gst and, and your abn's been registered for a certain period of time and all the rest of it um so you know i i personally did this when i was transitioning from a full-time role into a business and and my tip is to make sure that you're maximizing your current portfolio on your current income mm. with the current structure now that doesn't mean going and buying another property but hypothetically speaking let's say you've got two million dollars in property and you've got a million dollars in debt so there's a lot of equity sitting in that asset if you go now and switch roles or start a business, doesn't matter how much equity you have, if your income isn't there, you can't get it. Mm. And you wouldn't want to get into a position 12 or 18 months down the track where you're forced to sell a property because you can't get access to the equity that's in the assets. Sure. So it's about, you know, when I did this personally, going, okay, maybe it's time to release some equity into offset, go to the bank and say, hey, I want to do a reno or I want to cash out for a holiday before or whatever change, it is. Before you that's change right. the job. Maximize your current income, release yeah. that equity, put it in offset, you know, uh, go and go and get better rates, for example, minimize your expenses, maybe go into a fixed rate. If you can get into a, a strong fixed rate, you're not going to be able to borrow anyway for the next couple of years. Yeah. So you may as well keep your expenses consistent. Um, so get your financial uh, well-being in order and then make the move. Because yes. it's much easier to get the money when you don't need it than to go and get the money when you do need it. Of course, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, as soon as you... and you know, you're, you're more talking there about, you know, going from, I suppose, a, an employee to starting up your own business. But even if you're staying as an employee, just changing companies, uh, you know, as soon as you change companies, you're more than likely in a, in a three month probation period, you go to your broker or bank manager, they're going to say, well, we can't lend you any money until you can show us uh, that you've been there three mm. months and show three months of pay slips. So um, you might think, well, yeah, I've, I've changed jobs. I've got a higher salary. I'll go and borrow now. I'll see how much I can borrow. And then you go, oh, well, now I've got to wait two to three months. So just, you know, and that might not be a bad thing, but just be aware that you might have to wait as opposed to going and getting the funding based on your current salary and your current job, get the funding, get that approval, which is good for the next three months and then going and changing jobs and then, 100%. Um, you know, you don't have to um, wait, I suppose, because you've already got that approval. Yeah, 100%. So it's getting your financial well-being in order before you make big decisions because, yes. um, you know, obviously property is probably the thing where the majority of Australians have their wealth tied up in, but very a lot of people are asset rich and cash poor. So being able to access some of that equity and cash and putting an offset and setting yourself up for, you know, a, a more stress-free period because you've got cash at bank um, is a really, really big tip that not many people think about. So... Um, that is our tip of the week. Uh, now, Frankie, to wrap up, uh, we're obviously going to be doing these weekly for the year, the In The yep. Know Property podcast. You're back on the set. You look good in that chair. You're my, <laughs> I was going to say you're my right-hand man, but you're on my left-hand side. Um, and, mate, we're going to keep it like this structure for the whole year. So it's obviously the intro every every week. 
we're going to get run through and do uh, do the deal of the week. So if any of the listeners you know see any of the deals that we put out on our socials and want to hear more about them, shoot us a DM under the Henderson Advocacy account or into um, Frank or I's Instagram or Facebook, and we'll unpack those deals on the podcast. Um, we're going to chat through the current weekly events that have happened in the marketplace and things that we're seeing. Uh, we're going to do the tip of the week, and then we're going to wrap it up. Uh, and we'll try and get these all punched out within 30 minutes. Beautiful. What do you reckon? Sounds good, mate. Happy uh, Australia Day for tomorrow. Mate, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, mate, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what's going to happen with the rate rise, and we'll reflect back on this episode come December 2023 and, and yeah. see what... See if we could do uh, our uh, forecast better than The Economist. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Good on you, Frank. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Jack.